0: Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Dafyomi. I'm Rabbi Kovacs, filling in for Rabbi Silber. We have sponsors today a Talmud Torah sponsor, Adam and Yudiet Benzev, in honor of their children, Jake, Serena, and Rosie, and a week of learning sponsor from the Friends of the Pacinos. We would like to wish Mel and Judy a Mazel Mazeltov and Tzeischem leShalom the upcoming Aliyah. Although we are sad to see you go, we cannot be happier for you to embark on the next stage of your life. And don't worry, I gave Mel a dollar already to be my Shalich, to bring it to your Shalom. Thank you so much, Said. You're a. Your, uh, your merit to the shul and to the entire universe. It's amazing. And today's daf is Yuma Ayin Hay, Alava Shalom. So if you, I mean, since it's Ayin Hay, if you'd like to make more sponsorships in honor of the memory of someone's neshama, it's a good daf for that. We're picking up at the very bottom of Ayin Dalid Ad, as in Ad Dolo Yada, which is how drunk we get on Purim. Uh, one note about yesterday, we said that looking at a woman could be even worse than the act itself. There's actually a Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva, Perik. Dalet, we're on the bottom of Ayin dalit. Worse? worse. I'm just saying what the Gemara says. I'm not making up anything, okay? I understand Lomaysa, no one's of Misa for looking at women, but Mestakal Barayus is a problem. Now the Rambam says, Perek Dalit of Hilchitz Tshuva, Halacha Dalit. He says there's, he lists a bunch of things that are very hard to do chuva for, and one of them, he says, is actually looking at the rayus. So Barayus, he says, why? Because people think, don't think it's a problem. So, people don't think it's such a big deal to look at arios, So, it's hard to do chuva for us. people don't really think it's so wrong. So, this is very, uh, it's a big challenge in our, in our generation with our children and with internet access. It's something we should all be careful of. So, great. Now we're picking up at the very bottom line. We've started talking about the man. We're going to have a lot of man today. It's going to be a delicious day in Dafyomi land. And we're going to be Dorish some psukim and have some beautiful agarata and some valuable life lessons. So the very bottom line of Ayin Dalid, Amid Beis, V'ki Eino, when you put your eye on the cup, the cup of wine, you will walk in the plains, you walk in a flat straight path, it's easy going with the wine, as we say. It's interesting, the beginning of this Pasuk, they don't bring the beginning, this is only the end of the Pasuk, but I have the whole Pasuk here, and it's one we've heard of before, because the Pasuk is Al Tere adam, don't see the wine when it reddens, ki eten be It's a in Mishle, the 23rd chapter, and it mentions wine being red. And you should know there's this halacha the Shulchan Aruch brings that red wine is superior and preferable. And if we try to use red wine when we can, there are some, there's some spooky Zohar things about using white wine at certain hours of the day for Kiddush. But red wine, the the stama, the halacha is red wine is preferable. If you can use it, there's an interesting taz about blood libels. He said, Davka, don't use red wine, but that was in a different time when Nebuch, the, um, the non-Jews, were uh, accusing Jews of things to do with blood. But red wine is typically preferable. We remember this from the bracha Tovah Metiv. We talked about this in Psachim, Daf 101. We talked about this in bracha many times. I actually told Rabbi Silver. I said, Rabbi Silber, you should give a shear about Tovah Metiv because you're such a, you're, you're bucky in wines, you appreciate a fine wine, you should tell us what's the best wine, what's a good wine. So, really, a red wine is preferable to white wine. That's, that's the beginning of the Pasuk. But the Gemara is going on the end of the Pasuk. When you're looking, when you put your eyes on the cup of wine, it's like you're traveling. It's like you're going easy. You're easy going. Rabbi Ami, Rev Asi. So, Rav Amin Rev Asi give two different Shatim in this Pasuk. Hadamar, no, but Bekaiso, Top of Ain Hey, Whoever puts his eye in his cup. Rashi explains it's not just he's drinking wine, he's Ohev Shichros. He loves to be drunk. He's a habitual drunkard. It's nebuch, he's an alcoholic we're talking about. So, what happens? Arayot kulan domotalav kemeshor. So, all of the arayot, all of the forbidden sexual relations, are like meshor. They're like flat, easygoing. He doesn't see the pitfalls, the mountains. They look accessible to him. Once he's imbibing wine, it looks uh, it looks accessible and he's, he's, he might go for it. This is, we know, of course, from the juxtaposition in the Torah of nazir and sota. That people who saw the Sota Bekilkula, they saw the Sota being punished, they would say, Well, she was drinking wine with another man and it led her into all this trouble, and they become a Nazir from Yain. So we know there's a, there's a relationship between drinking too much wine and someone thinking a riot is uh, permissible to him. Chad Amar, kola notit someone who's this habitual drunkard, loalainu, kola olam kulo domela The entire world looks like accessible to him, looks easy to him. And Rashi explains, he's willing to steal money from people to support his habit so it's a terrible thing if someone can become addicted to the point where they're gonna you know they're gonna borrow money to get their fix to get their high to get another cup of wine and and if uh... if he thinks that uh, forbidden women might be accessible to him, call the home, he thinks that someone else's money is accessible to support his habit so it's a very dangerous thing you know wine can, wine can be used for 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 kiddush for kedusha, but it could be also used as a uh, as a terrible addiction. So we have to be careful of the things Hashem gives us and use them for holy ends and not for profane ends. So another similar pasuk, daga belev ish, worry in the heart of a man, yisheina, he push it aside. Rav Ami, Rav Ashi, he should actually push it midaito out of his mind. So if you're worried, the Eitzah is remove the worry from your mind. Don't think about it. Whatever you think about, that's what you think about. Actually, the, the neuroscientists say, whatever your mind is busy with, you get good at doing that. This is why they practice, you know, pitchers will practice pitching hundreds, thousands of times, so those neural pathways in their brain are faster. They're, they're, it's like exercising your brain. So whatever you think about, you get good at thinking about. Someone's always worrying, they, never, they get really good at worrying. The other one says, What do we mean? You speak it out to other people. You talk to other people. You get it off your chest. You know, You. I, I think Jews invented uh, psychoanalysis and therapy. It's, it's right out of this Gemara. So Freud was right out of this Gemara. I don't think he ever learned the Gemara. But it's right out of this Gemara. You tell other people your problems. And Rashi says... Maybe they'll give you a good Eitzah. You try to seek out people who have more life experience, who have been in the same or similar challenges you face, and see how they dealt with it, how they got through it. You talk it out with them. Not Lashon not, Chara, God forbid, but you talk out your troubles. You get another Eitzah, you get another perspective, and it can help you through life. So that's, uh, that's how to remove worries. Two approaches, complementary approaches to remove worries from your mind. The Nachash and the snake. Nachash Kanmoni, Afar lachmo. His food is dust. I understand, literally, he crawls on his belly and dust is going his mouth all day and the food he eats, these rodents, they're all covered in dirt and dust. So he's always tasting the taste of dust. We're going to explain this. Rabbi Amir Asi, Even if he eats all the most delicious uh, food in the world, He still tastes the dust. The dust is what's always in the snake's mouth. And the other says, Even if he eats all the most delicious, tasty foods in the world, he doesn't get satisfaction a love, until he tastes the dust. He got used to eating dust. That's what the snake is always having in his mouth. So even if you gave him delicious food, he still wants the dust. Mostly a man can get used to anything. A man can get used to a bad situation, bad food, a bad matzav, and he gets used to it, he goes back to it. It's like we said above about addiction. A person can get used to anything. His brain gets used to it, he craves it. You really have to be careful what you get used to. There's some people, they get used to going on very expensive vacations. And they end up racking up bills on their credit card because that's what they're used to. You have to be aware of your habits. It sounds strange because they're habits. But you need to put your mind on what your habits are and not get into uh, dangerous and harmful habits. Now, more about this snake. This is amazing Gemara. Today is all amazing gemaras. This one is really juicy. Tanya, Amar, Bo, Re, Shlok, Mita, Kadish, Mita, Basar, Vadam see that the midos, the the paths of Hashem, are not like those of man. Midat basar Adam, what does a man do? Mekonit et Haveru, he gets in a real argument with his friend. Haveru is his friend, this was his friend, but now he's really he's really upset with him. What does he do? Yored imo l'chaiv, he descends with him on his life. Rashi explains he tries to take everything. He tries to take revenge, he tries to go after his parnossa, his mishpacha, anything he can get his hands on, He tries to attack it. He tries to go all out once he's fighting with his friend. He used to be a friend. Hashem does not do this. We're going to see. When Hashem cursed the snake, so it's a curse. The snake has to crawl in his belly. But what happens? The snake goes up on the roof. His food is with him. Meaning the dust, the creatures that are in the dust. He goes down into the earth. His food is still there. So even though the snake was cursed, there's a, there's a silver lining in the curse, that he will always have food accessible in the dirt with him, even though he's been cursed and kicked out from Hashem. <laughs> he cursed Canaan. Now really, Noah cursed Canaan, but the brachot and the curses that Noah said were really with Baruch HaKodesh, it was really divine inspiration. So what was the curse of Canaan? <laughs> that Canaan will be a slave to shame. So what happens to a slave? <laughs> he eats whatever his master eats. Shote, Shote. He gets to drink whatever his master drinks. Now you should know that in Jewish tradition, slavery is much different. That Chazal tell us, if you own a slave in Evet Kanani and you have one bed, he gets the bed. You have one pillow, he gets the pillow. You have one cup of wine, he gets the wine. Because he's working for you, he's schlepping. You have to treat him right, you have to treat him well. And our Chazal say, our sages say, You buy a slave, you're buying yourself a master. Because you are obligated in the Torah to take care of them. Not only that, but if if he's injured, you have to take care of him. If he he loses a limb, he goes free. When he goes free, you have to give him presents. This is not, you understand that our experience in America, when we say the word slavery, we think of the antebellum South. And even in Maryland, Nabuch, they had slaves. And it was a horrible and atrocious institution. Slavery is always problematic, but in Jewish... History, we had to treat slaves as human beings. That's where we differentiate from every every culture historically. Every single culture, the the Romans with all their their knowledge and uh, you know high culture, they had slaves, thousands, millions of slaves. The Greeks the same, Europeans the same. All over the globe there was slavery, but they 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 were like cattle. They treated other human beings as animals. Only in Jewish tradition, there's a form of slavery where we treat human beings like human beings, even though they're obligated to work for us. We have to treat them as human beings. So it's a very different uh, approach to what, what. You know, we, we, to understand the word slavery is a terrible connotation, but it's terrible, but in Jewish history, it's a different form of, it's a different attitude about how a human being is allowed to treat another human being. And Kabbalah Homer for an Evid Ivry, who has to be treated uh, very well, even better than an Evet Kanani. So this this is a curse with a silver lining that yes, Canaan uh, will be a slave, but he'll be he'll be fed and taken care of because he's a slave to Shem. he's a slave to the Jews. kill at Isha, Hashem cursed the woman. Hakol ratzin acharecha, everyone runs after the woman. Now, this is an interesting statement. The Pashta says men want to marry women. We know that the role of a man is to go out and find a wife. That typically the women don't go after the men and find the women, but the men go after the wife. I'm going to read one more line. i want to get back to this. Kill adama. Hashem cursed the the earth. And everyone gets mizanas from the earth. So even though the earth was cursed, it's going to have thorns. It's going to have problems. But it, the earth still provides all our grain and our wine and our oil and everything like this. So what's going on is all these curses have a silver lining. And what happened is, so here's to the Isha. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your suffering your chi- and your childbearing. In pain, you will bear children. This is how as women give birth typically. So okay, maybe they have epidurals nowadays. It's a little different, and then it says uh, right after this, "You'll desire your husband who yim and he'll rule over you." So it's it's an interesting statement. But we see in here the man is chasing after the woman. So it sounds like she rules over him in a way. So it's an interesting contrast that men and women in Jewish wisdom, which is true wisdom, have different roles. That a a woman has men pursuing her and that's the nature of the game but a man has to be an accomplished man because the Adam Adamo was cursed Adam has to work the land what we what we call the burden of performance is on the man a man has to become greater a man has to grow in wisdom or grow in his in his parnassa grow in his business he has to develop his midos he has to work on himself to a much greater extent to attract a good woman, you know, a woman doesn't want a, a nebuch. A woman doesn't want someone who's who's a slob and doesn't have a job and doesn't have an outlook and isn't learning, isn't koveya itim. You know, depending on where she's holding. Also, a man has the burden of performance after the land was cursed to really work on himself, work on the land, and build himself into something greater. And then the, women that he's, the woman that he's chasing after is going to be interested in him. But the, the woman is, is, is pursued by the man. That's sort of the nature of the game. But a man has to become great in order to merit, uh, merit the, the, the wife he wants. So, Kakoratzinachere, so it's a very interesting Gemara. But every curse that Hashem gives, not like man, has this has a silver lining. Okay, last narrow line Zachreinu et Adoga. We remember the fish. That we ate in Mitzrayim for free, free fish Baruch Hashem, but there's a disagreement, how to understand what's going on here, what they're really complaining about there's Rav and Shmuel have different interpretations one says Mamish they're talking about fish they just want the fish they had from the Nile the other one says, no, they wanted the Arias that they had in Mitzrayim, we're going to explain it's not really it's not really Arias. We're going to explain what's going on. It's interesting what Rashi says. Rashi says an amazing thing. He says, uh, Tashmish." Come over So now we understand that what somebody means, if someone says, "I'm taking my wife on a fishing trip, so maybe he has another implication based on this Rashi. I don't know, m- most guys don't know this Rashi. So Hashem and the Dafiyomi, we all know this Rashi Now as so we understand, that, you know, women don't like to go fishing. So we understand that maybe I don't know, just maybe, maybe. OK. So it's a Machloket what it really means, what they're, they're talking about, they're complaining about the fish, the free fish. Mandam, our dog game, first wide line, Amad Amadolif, Dixiv, nochal, eat. We're talking about the fish we used to eat, so it must mean really the fish with the fins and the scales. Mandam, Arayas, the one that says Arayas, Dixiv, Chinam, it was free, so fish aren't free. Listen, the midstream wouldn't even give us straw, you think they're going to give us free fish? No, there's no way. The Mandam, Arayas, the one who says they are talking, complaining about the Arayas, Chaciv, noho. It says they were eating it. Yeah, what do you mean you don't eat a riot? Lishnam alia. No, it's another euphemism. It's not, so we have a lot of euphemisms here. In Mishleh, there's a euphemism here. Ahla, about an adulteress. A woman who commits adultery. What does she say? Akhla, she quote unquote eats. There's the euphemism. piha, and she wipes her mouth. Rashi says this is the lower opening. The Amra Lopalti oven. And she says, I haven't done anything wrong. She's wiping away the evidence. She's pretending nothing happened, and she's holding two contradictory ideas in her mind at the same time without any, uh, without any problems. So she's able to commit adultery and think she's done nothing wrong. She sort of is, uh, you know, more a, he- more a heter on herself. So we see that eating is a euphemism for Arias. The are doggy, the one who says mamash, they're complaining about the lack of fish. Maichina, what do you mean free fish? The Mitzrayim wouldn't give us free fish. <laughs> they were free because they were brought from Hefker, from the Nile River. We know we're going to find where to learn in Bav Metziah if something is swept away in the river, it's considered Hefker. Because the person who lost it is Miyayesh. He gives up because his, his item fell in the river already. So you can take it home. So they got it from the Hefker. Amar mar. The master said, Keshachai Yisrael shovim mayim. When they were in Mitzrayim. And they would draw water. And we're going to find out the women were drawing water. HaKadosh Baruch lahem Mayim dogim ketanim bichtehem. Hashem would put little fishies into their pots, so they actually had little fishies available for free in Mitzrayim. It was a gift, it was a kiss from Rebbeinu that even though we were enslaved and in a terrible situation, we did have free fish. So it sounds good for the one who says, fish, Arayus, la prizibu They were not ports in Arayos. We, we know, famously, in Chazal, that the the men and women in Mitzrayim were loyal to one another, that they didn't go after the, uh, the Egyptians. It's, it's, we actually, I talked about it two weeks ago that there's a concept of uh, war brides that when one nation was stronger and would take over another one the women would go to the winners. We actually saw it during World War II uh, in occupied Europe, women would sleep with the Nazis and then uh, when France was liberated, there, there are a number of pictures you can find in historical records, the French resistance would go around shaving the heads of these women who had been living with the Nazi soldiers. As a as a punishment, because they had gone over to the strong ones. But in Mitzrayim, the Jewish women did not do that. The Jewish women were completely loyal. So, they'll preach they didn't have our eyes. Uh Hayinu because there's a pasuk like this: a pasuk sheyashirim, "Gan naul your garden is locked. My sister, my bride." And it goes on: your 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 mayan is satum, your your wellspring, which is the spring of life, is is closed up. You're not. Allowing any arayos, you're not uh, going over to the Egyptians. Elamanda Marios, the one who says it's arayos. My Mayan chatum, Mayan is the end of that pasuk in the The ones that were ushered then, they were not purits. So this, they were they were still bnei Noach. This was in Mitzrayim before Har Sinai. So there were still uh, commandments on arayos, such as eish and and uh, direct family members, things like this. Those, they were, never, they were never involved with that. A man wouldn't marry someone else's wife, a man wouldn't marry his close relatives that were us to B'nai Noach. And later on, there were more Arayos commanded, and that's what they were complaining about later on when they were, uh, were going to see Bocheh mishpotam is the puzzle we're going to bring next. They weren't complaining about the Arayos back then. They didn't do any Arayos back then, what they were, what they were commanded. Bishlam uh, on the Arayos, one who says that they're complaining about Arayos, forbidden relations, Ha'inu Moshe and Moshe hears the people, they're crying to their family, about their family. The Gemara says, Al iske mishpachotav, They're crying about matters of the family. Lahem, that they're now us, uh, to, them, to sleep with them, to, to marry them. So what happened was before Matan Torah, a man could marry his aunt. Who's, who's the most famous man who married his aunt? I, I heard Amram back there. You're right, Amram. Amram, the father of Moshe, married his aunt. And after Matan Torah, that was forbidden. So it's an amazing thing. We talked about this by Dovid the Melech that whenever you have a leader, you want the leader to have some skeletons in his closet, so he's not going to be such a balgaiva and think he's perfect. Moshe Rabenu comes out of a relationship that later on the Torah would say is aser. So, so men out there, you you can marry your niece. You marry your niece, Motoderaita but you can't marry your aunt anymore. So that's what they're complaining about. They're complaining they can't marry their aunt and a number of other arayos that had been mutter to B'nai Noach. So in Mitzrayim, in theory, yes, they could marry their aunt, they could marry other arayos that were family members. We're talking about family members here. But then the Torah went on later, added on prohibitions to B'nai Noach. You can't mar- marry the aunt and certain other family family members at all. So they were complaining about this. the one who says What do you mean they're crying about their family? Which sounds... That they're talking about they can't marry the aunts anymore and things like this. Havaha ha, Havai. It's both, really. They were complaining about the fish, Mamish. And they were complaining about the forbidden Arayos, that now they're under more restrictions about who they can legally marry than they had been in its right. So it's So they're complaining. Once they started complaining about the fish, they're also complaining about Arayos. So this is much later on. They're complaining about the man. We're going to see much later. The rest of the daf is about the man. But they were complaining about the man. They are complaining about the lack of fish. And once they started complaining, they kept complaining also about the Arias. So the Maharal says in Gur Arye, this is a dangerous thing when you start complaining and then you bring up other complaints. He says it's much better to focus on one thing at a time. You have one problem, focus on one problem, solve the one problem, don't start bringing in all of these other problems. It's not gonna help Once you start complaining, the ball gets rolling and you keep complaining. So it's interesting, so they started complaining about fish, they end up complaining about Arias. So what's what's the what's the cashier? How how does it work out? So there's a Gemara Bosa, and it's one of my famous one of my favorite Gemaras. It's a famous Gemara because I've quoted it I've quoted it before, and you're gonna love it. It's one of the best all the Gemaras are best Gemaras, but it's one of the best Gemaras on this topic. It's in Sota Yud Aleph. Darish Rav Avira, Biskar Nashim Tzikanios, in the merits, in the reward of the righteous women in that generation nigalu Yisrael The women saved us from slavery in Egypt. It's right here in the Gemara. The women went to draw water from the That's the Gemara we just had. This is the dogim mamish, the free fish. Hashem gave them free fish. They were going to get water. They got the free fish as well. And now this Gemara goes on. in their buckets. The Shavot. So much fish, it was half water and half fish. That's beautiful. So they came home. So they cooked two pots. One hot water, and one was the fish. And they went out to their husbands who were working in the fields. Can you imagine? Not only did they cook dinner at home, but then they brought it out to the field where the husbands were exhausted, trying to gather straw, trying to make the bricks. And they washed their dirty husbands. They anointed them with oil. and they fed them the fish. And they gave them to drink. And then they, they got together there. Out in the field, you know, fed and happy and healthy and, and uh, stomach full. Uh then so it says you, you lie there. Uh, in the in the merit of of this this lying Zochi uh, Yisrael Lebizot Mitzrayim. So that's how we uh, got the fortune of Mitzrayim also. So it's a it's an amazing thing we we brought the uh, the other Gemara about the copper mirrors the women used and the mirrors are also cited in this context. They would take out their mirrors and their husbands are tired and exhausted and they say look husband I'm prettier than you are and he says oh yeah. So it's kind of like a little bit of a jealousy a little stuck, a little uh, it's an interesting concept. But the women used these fish to seduce their enslaved, exhausted husbands and keep Am Yisrael going during the slavery. The, the, the men had given up. The men had given up on ever escaping Mitzrayim. And they said, is going to throw the kids in the Nile. What's the point? What's the point of living with our wives as a normal family and having children? What's the point? The women did not give up. So it's not just that they cooked food for their husbands and brought the food out to their husbands and were you know, attractive and seductive and using the mirrors and feeding them and anointing them. It wasn't just that. It was that the women did not give up hope, ever. They were not meyayish. There was no yayish by the women. And that's the zachar nashim tzidkaniot. It's an amazing thing. They did, the women did not give up, and that is exactly what saved us, what gave us the merit to escape from Mitzrayim. So that's the linkage between the fish and the relations, that the fish that they were missing from Mitzrayim reminded them of when their wives had cooked them the fish and then come out to the field, and from that they gave birth to many myriads of children, and in that merit from the women, they uh, escaped from Mitzrayim. So it's, a, it's a really an amazing thing. So we're going to we're gonna get on to the uh, the man. It's very interesting. Why do we talk about man? Because we just said yesterday, we started this parak about we don't eat on Yom Kippur. We don't eat anything on Yom Kippur. We're going to see that the man is a... It's a spiritual food. It's less physical and more spiritual. So on Yom Kippur, all of our involvement is uh, is in in ruchnias. We're absorbing spiritual energy. We're absorbing uh, spiritual food instead of uh, physical food. It's beautiful. So we're uh, in in the wide lines here at the kishuim. So here's the rest of this pasuk. We're going to read the whole pasuk because it's a delicious pasuk. I've got it here somewhere. the daga asher Remember the fish we ate mitsrayim chinam for free at the kishuim. And the cucumbers, at the avtichim, and the watermelons, at the chatzir, the leeks, at the betzalim, the onions, and the shumim, and at the shumim, and the garlic. Now, they're complaining about the man. We're going to see the man wouldn't taste like these specific items, these specific five foods, because they can be harmful to pregnant women. So uh, Hashem didn't make them taste like this. We're going to see if it was the taste, the texture. Uh, so they're complaining about that. So the, we're going to find out the man could taste like everything, and they're complaining about the five things it, it wouldn't taste like. So, Rev Ami Rev Asi, Chad Amar, Tam Kol Minim Tamu Baman. He says they could taste anything they wanted in the man. Tam Chameshad Minim but these five different things that the Pazak just read, Lotamu, they couldn't taste them because they were not good for pregnant women. Chad Tam Kol Minim Tamu, they could taste everything. Tamu Mamashan, um Taman Mamashan. So he says, sorry, they could taste and have a texture. Of every single food in the world, but hallelujah, these five items, taman luma mushan. They could have the taste only, but not the texture. So it's even even worse of a complaint. They could have the taste of the watermelons and the garlic, but not the texture. Oh, we're missing the texture of the garlic. Can you believe it? They're complaining about that. They have man, it can taste like anything. They're complaining they don't have the texture of their garlic. Amazing. Man, the God love on. Um, avasi, ogul kagida. It's round like the seed of a, of a, of a Rashi says an oleander. So apparently an oleander seed is round. We'll have to ask the botanists. I uh, have a lavon, And why do you mean lavon? Because a oleander seed is not white. Kimargoli Margoli plays white like a pearl. Uh, Tanarabandan should be the Gisa God, it's like a God. Shadome lezerapishtan. pishtan. It's like a pishtan seed, like a flax seed. bigivolin in its stalk. So it's round. Acherem omeim God, shadome lehagoda. It's like Haggadah. Now, Haggadah we know is means telling. We have the Haggadah shopesa. Haggadah is Agadaic, like we're having now, Baruch Hashem, a daf with mostly Agadata, mostly stories and statements and advice from Chazal. And what does a Haggadah do? Shemoshechit libosha adam, that Haggadah draws in the heart. And you, you'll see this because you, you, you'll hear in certain Shirim, it can be a little dry. If it's all Halakha, if everything is Halakha, you need it. It's halacha it's, it's absolutely the bread and butter of Judaism. But if you don't throw in some agada and some musr and some philosophy, it's a little dry. But if you have agada, you're moshechet libo. You pull on people's heartstrings as you tug on the heartstrings, as we say in English. So it's, it's moshechet libo. K'mayim, like water, like water draws the heart. So agada draws the heart. So the Zerubi, the, the the man, would also draw the heart. People would crave it. They would want it. Tanya Eidach, the other opinion says, God would tell Yisrael. It would tell us what? If it was a nine-month baby from the first or a seven-month baby from the second. So Rashi explains, and I'll explain outside. We're talking about when a woman, Nebuch, became a widow and then she remarried two months later. Or she was Nebuch divorced and remarried two months later and then Mazel Tov, there's a baby. And we don't know if the baby's father was actually the first husband and it's a nine-month baby or if it was the second husband and it's a seven-month baby. And it has it's tr- terrific ramifications for Yibim, for Yerusha. Uh, an eighth-month baby they don't mention because their Masura, their medical knowledge back then, was an eighth, eight-month-old baby would come out deformed and would be a Nafel and would even be muksa on Shabbos. They were so sure it was going to die. And we're talking about a baby born after eight months with deformities. And uh, famously, Moshe Rabbeinu was a seven-month baby and he actually came out after six months and one day and was able to be, you know, he came out full grown, but after a short time. So it seems that the mitzias then was that some babies would be born early. They'd come out in the six month after seven months, something like this, but they'd be full-formed. And Moshe Rabbeinu was one of these. So there were six, mo- seven-month babies, and nine-month babies, no eight-month babies. So uh, lemaisa l'halacha, a woman's not supposed to get remarried after two months, she's supposed to wait three months for of so we actually know because there are ter- terrific ramifications who the father is. It, it counts in Judaism who the father is, of course mm-hmm. we understand our faith goes after the mother, but the Shevet and the Yerusha, the identity, the Kahuna go after the father. So it's terrifically important in Judaism we have to know uh, who the father is, so that it would actually tell us. Uh, and we're, the Gemara is going to explain how. Lava and Shemalbi and in it would purify the sins of the Jews. Tanya Rabbi Yosi Omeir, Keshem Navi Haya Magi Lehen Yisrael, Mashab Just like a Navi could tell the Jews what's in the nooks and crannies. Kachaman Magi Lehen Yisrael, Mashab Bechorin Mestokin. would tell us what's in the nooks and crannies. Kate Sad, how's it work? Shaddim Shabal, Lifne Moshe, Ledin. People came to Moshe for Judgment. Zayomir, Ovdigan, Ovda, you stole my slave. Zayomir, Atamachartali. Said, you know, you sold them to me. Amr Lehen Noish, Lebokir Mishbad. He says, I'll tell you the judgment next morning. If they find the, man, the Omer of Man, the Mana fell at the first master's tent. So the second guy had just stolen him. Then you know he actually did buy him. So what's going on? How do they have slaves? They literally just left Shibud Mitzrayim. They were slaves in Mitzrayim. How do they have slaves at all? We know the, the Eruv Rav came with them, but they were converted to Judaism. So it seems to me, and this is Tzurahyun, and if anyone finds an answer, please tell me. It seems to me there were Canaanim in Mitzrayim, and it's mutter to take avodim from the, the seven nations of Canaan. So it seems that the Mitzrayim had captured Canaanites and enslaved them, and then when the Jews left, these Canaanites said, "We want to come along." And the Jews said, "But you're Canaanites." And they said, "But we'll be your slaves." So then perhaps they had Eved Canaanim, which sounds it sounds fantastic. We literally just left slavery to freedom, and we're bringing along slaves. It sounds it sounds fantastic. Again. Slavery in those in, in Jewish tradition is a little different and more humane and more, you know, definitely more humane than other slavery. But it, it, it's 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 We say that the Jews leaving slavery had slaves. So that's the gemara's mashma. Chen ish Isha, So to a man and woman, shabal lifnei moshe ledin. There's Av Shalom uh, problem. The man says she's spoiled. She's rotten on me, and I shouldn't have to pay her ksuva. He'll merit. No, he. It's his fault. He's the one starting up all the problems. We'll find out in the morning. If we find her food at the husband's tent, so really the husband wants her there. The food's there, but she's making the problem. If it's at his father's tent, so really Hashem wants her in the father's tent because he's making the problem. Al Hamachane, and the dew descended on the camp Lila at night, and Yara the and then the man would descend on the dew, But it also says the people went out and gathered They spread out even farther. Shatu is even farther, and then they gathered. How what does it mean? Did it fall mamish in the camp or further away? Sadikim Sadikim got Door Dash. They got man delivered to the door. Be'nonim yatu laktu. The average people had to go out of their house and collect it. Rishayim shatu v'laktu. Rishayim had to go out even farther to get their man. Kseev lechem, kseev ugo, kseev tochenu. So it says about the man it was lechem. It also says it's ugo, which is cakes, which is less than bread. And also says tochenu, like it's uh, grain, you have to grind it up and bake it. Ha keetsad lechem, that's have it prepared. Be'nonim ugo, the be'nonim have cakes. Rishayim tochenu beruchayim, they had to mill it first to eat it. Or pound it in a mortar and pestle. They got not just man, but they got nashim. They got decorations, makeup, cosmetics for the women. The Ben uh, says they, the, the man itself could be a cosmetic. They would, they would get sort of spices and um, fragrances. And they'd grind that together with the man and they'd apply it to their faces. We know that uh, from Masechet Shabbat, that flour could be used as a, as a makeup. Uh, so something that's pounded, ground up. That's these cosmetics Uh, because the man was bread, so if you have to grind it up, it's something else. He's saying it's cosmetics, made from the man. And you're going to bake it in the kli. So not just the man we got. We got sikei kader. We got spices. We got salt. The man could taste like anything, but sometimes you want to cook something with some spices and make it nice and sweet, says Rashi. They brought more donations to to the mishkan, to the tabernacle, every morning. My baboker baboker? What do you mean each and every morning they brought something? Amar Shmu, bar nachman, Amar v'yohanan, midavar sheyared lehem Babokar baboker. Something that fell from the sky every day, they gave as donations. Melamed sheyared lehem l'israel, avanim tov, and megoli otim It was not just food, it was also precious stones and pearls that they donated to the mishkan, fell with the man, and they brought them every morning to Moshe. Hanesim heviyu et avnei shoham. The which we usually understand as the princes, brought the avnei shoham. Toh mamish. But this could be mamish the clouds. So it's not just the Nesim, the princes. It could be these precious stones for the Avneshom, Avnemilim, for the Ephod. They fell from the sky, and the Nesim brought them after that. Uh, there's a Pesach that says that there's Nesim and Ruach, there's clouds and there's wind, but there's no rain. So the taste of the man is described as the taste of this wafer of oil. A shod is, lashem, uh, is the language of shadaim, of the bosom of a of mother. A child tastes many different flavors from his mother, based on what she's eating. Again, if she was eating garlic, it would go through and be harmful for the, for the uh, newborn baby. That's why it didn't taste like garlic. But the Shad could taste like whatever she ate. Afaman, so to the Mana, whenever they ate it, but in they would find a lot of different flavors. some say, not like a demon. because they can change appearances and change colours. It could change two different textures. Seems like it could change uh, shape also. So interesting thing. So it, it could be anything. So what is what is uh, what does moshe mean? When moshe says Prepare it on Friday. Remember, they got a double portion on Friday. It's not going to fall on Saturday. What do you mean, prepare it? If it could taste like anything, why do you have to prepare the man at all? The chida, he says, an amazing thing. He says you have to think about what you want to taste like. You have to think about it beforehand, then it's going to taste like whatever you want. So if you want your chicken soup and you want your fish, you have to think about it before Shabbos to get that taste. Because if you think about it on Shabbos, that would be usr, because we know that on Shabbos, what's usr? Maleches machsheves intentional malacha, and that's the greatest intention, he's intending his food to have a taste, that's the chidah, it's it's amazing part, Hashem will give to you meat in the evening, this is the famous slav, and you'll get your bread, that's the man in the bokeh, to fill you up, they asked for meat incorrectly, because they already had massive flocks of meat, they had a lot of cattle, but they were asking for meat, why? We actually talked about this recently. They didn't want to bring their meat to the Mishkan and make it into a carbon. They wanted to eat it a little more hefker, a little more backyard barbecue. They wanted shkuttechuts. That's why they wanted to do it all themselves. They didn't want to necessarily make it a carbon, make it elevated. So they're asking for, for some, some other sources of meat, even though they had meat, but all the meat they had would have to become carbonot, They have to bring it as a shlamim in the Mishkan. So because they asked shalokahogin, not appropriately, nitan lahem shalokahogin. So the basar, the Slav, it fell at night when it's harder to use, turning over Amit base, lechem shalokahogin. They asked for bread appropriately, because mamish, there was nothing to eat anymore. nitan lahem kahogin. So it's given to them at a good time in the morning when there's time to prepare it and eat it. mikan lam torah derich heretz. The Torah is teaching you derich heretz. shalokyochel adam basar ele balayla. You should eat meat at night. Lamaissa, if someone's making a bris, and he wants to be yod, say the Rambam, ain't simchal el basar I've I've been to a flesh ignorance where they're serving flesh at 745 in the morning. It, it does happen. They had fish also, so we were you know, say the daga. but uh, it, it does happen because the rum says you should have uh, flesh by Yasimcha. But here it's saying, you know, it's nice to have it at night. But yesterday we said, if you have a nice souda, mama, eat it during the daylight. Kenya mama, listen if you've got a torch, you got candles, you can see the food. Seeing the food it's more satisfying. Come in. That's what we're saying. Hi, Israel. domin ketarne golin. Originally, the Jews were like hens. They're pecking for scraps of food in the trashy. So Moshe said, listen, we're going to have bread in the morning. We're going to have meat in the evening. We're not going to be snacking all day long. This is Rav Rambam says this too. This is medical advice. This is practical advice. Do not be snacking all day long. Do not hang out in your kitchen. Straight from Moshe Rabbeinu. can't do better than that. Abbas or Abed the meat was, all, was still between their teeth. And this was when the complainers, they were complaining for meat and they died. But it also says right after that, it was up to a month later. Hakeid said, What's going on? The average people, the average complainers, people were starting up the complaint about the mana, the altar they died right away after they tasted the meat. But the Rishayim, it's star in the real Rishayim who were really instigating and complaining about the manna. We hate this manna. Lechem koloko. It's terrible. Uh, they had to uh, suffer intestinal problems for an entire month before they passed. Nebuch. Vayishchotu. vayishtahu, So don't read it. yishtahu, spread out. Read it. Yishchotu. Change the letters. They shechted it. So we see that the haters of the Jews, and in this context it means the ones who were starting to complain against Hashem, against Moshe, against the manna, they were chayev shchita, And that's why they passed away from eating the slav, from eating the quail that they got as the reward, as their just desserts. uh What does it mean? Shatoch Spread out over the ground. Tana mishmed the Rabbi ben Karcha. Al t'chikoy ele shachut. So not only did they get the man, but they got the slav. We're gonna see this quail, this bird that needed a shita. Amar um, uh first red line, Amar um, Rebbi, Vahimekanda Talama. From here you learn it needs shrikita, alokvarnemar, uh yam Yamtar alehem kaafar, Kol Yam of kanaf. But it says, I will rain down to you like the uh dust and like the sand. Of the sea, uh, birds uh, on the wing. So we see it's birds. So what, what do you mean you need to learn Shatoach that birds nitschita? We know that birds nitschita, these Slavs, these, these quails are called birds. Tanya, Rebbe Omer, Zavachta Kasher You will slaughter them like I have taught you. That Moshe Rabbeinu is commanded on the Veshit and the Kana, the trachea and the esophagus uh, of the animal. Of behema. And you need the rove of one simon to have kosher shchita, a proper slaughtering of a bird, and the majority of both pipes, both the and veshit, to have a behema. So this is interesting because the Torah never tells you chilchot of shchita. So one of the proofs, not that we need a proof, we have Mesoiah, one of the proofs Torah Shabbat al was given at the same time as Shabbat Kasav is Zavachta kosher Ziviticha slaughter it like I taught you. It's never taught in the Torah Shabbat it's never in the Chumash so it was Torah Shobal and now we have a whole Masechta of Chulin, which Baruch Hashem, we we learned, some of us learned together, Chulin, about uh, this topic. So this is uh, a little chazar for this. what do you mean? Shatoach, spread out. melamed, this teaches, Yar lechem, Mashtihin, Mashtihin. it was layers and layers of slav, layers and layers of birds fell. Ksiv lechem, ksiv shemin, so it's dvash. Uh, so the man is called bread, it's called oil, it's called dvash. For the young men, it's bread, it's more filling. We know that teenagers have a big appetite. This is a shemin. For the older, it's oil. devash. And for the young ones, it's honey. They say don't feed honey to very young infants because it can have pollen and spores in it. Just FYI. Good. Slav, krinan, slav. So it's written slav Shin. But we read it slav with uh, a samach because it is a sin, not a shin. Rabbi Chanina, uh, Rabbi Chanina, Tzadikim Ochlin Otov So we can read it, Shlav, Shalva, they ate it in tranquility and peace. Ochlin So when Rashaim ate it, it was more like thorns. They had been inappropriately asking for it, so it was like thorns in their digestive system. Nebuch. Amr Bar, Rava, Arba mine Slav There's actually four types of quail. The Elohen, the Sichli, the Kivli, the of Slav. So the Slav is the average kind of quail. It's a very small bird. So it was a small bird uh, that they were eating. But they would put it, it was very fatty. You would see they would stick it in an oven. It would be inflated from all the fat content. It would be puffed up when they would bake it in the oven. Hava And it would fill up the whole oven. They would put it on top of uh, 13 slices of bread. And the last slice of bread absorbed so much oil. The oil was dripping down from the bird through all your bread. The, even the last slice of bread was so oily you had to eat it with uh, other things, with toppings. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda would find Slav between his barrels. He barrels of wine or something. He would find birds and uh, delicious. He would find them out in the field. Rabbi Yehuda. Uh, Rav, Rava had an aris, had a sharecropper who would bring him a slav, kol yoma. Every day would bring him a slav to eat. They're beautiful, like in the midbar. Yoma chadlo aite. So one day he didn't bring it, mai So he's wondering why the bird didn't come today to his field. Solak went up on the roof, shamal And he hears a child, uh, and the child saying a is It's interesting that we say that prophecy was removed from the world except among uh, children. Children saying psukim is still a form of prophecy. so you overhear children saying psukim, there might be a reason for that, says. so interesting concept. To come, was the word of the Yelid say, the Tinnik said, bitni." I heard, and my stomach was upset. Amar, he says, we learn from here, I, I learned here that Rav Chista passed away, and it was only in the merit of my rabbi, that I, the Talmud, was eating. Rashi Buzet wasn't just his Rebbe; it was his father-in-law. So Nebuch, his father-in-law passed away, now he's less Parnasa. so it's a, it's Lamaisa. it's Lamaisa, but he understood in the merit of his Rebbe and father in law, he was getting sent this bird, and that's why it stopped. It's written, and it goes up the uh, the dew, this layer of dew. It also says the tall went down, so you have moisture coming up from the ground and coming down from the sky. There is tall from above and tall from below. And the man famously was in the middle. Of the layers of tall, so it was the first uh, Ziploc bag. So there's a makor in the Torah for Ziploc bags for storage. It was uh, stored. So could you open it on Shabbos? That's another shaila for the Rav. But uh, mistama they could. Dak so mechusbas. The man's also called Dak thin and mechusbas. We're gonna learn out what does this word mean. Abaye Shlokish, davar shenimuach al pisat because it would melt in the palm of your hand. It was so fine and, and oily. Rabbi Yochanan davar shenivla b'metayim uh, so he says it melts into your 248 limbs because mechuspas has a gemachya. Mechuspas tuvav, I say no, mechuspas is a little more in gemachia. Rev Nachman bar Yitzhak mechaspas And that word mechaspas is 248, meaning the man would absorb into all of the 248 limbs of your body and not be excreted. There's no waste left over. We're going to see. Tanar banan. Lechem abirim achol. The 8th, lechem abirim is what the man is called. Ish uh, lechem So Malachi Esharat are the abirim, the mighty ones. So we ate the same bread that the angels eat. That's what Rabbi Akiva says. When he says in front of Yishmael, his teacher, Go tell him he's wrong. Angels eat bread? They don't eat bread. It says by Moshe Rabbeinu, if Moshe Rabbeinu went up for forty days and nights, he didn't eat and drink anything. As the Kafakomer angels are always up in heaven. They don't eat and drink anything. We know they did by Avram Avinu. They didn't really eat and drink, but they were they were making it look like they're eating and drink, so you should always behave in a way that's derekherz, it's normal. You know, you don't don't pretend to be angels. Elamani what do you mean, Abirim? So Avirim means it absorbed fully into the limbs. It didn't have waste left over. So why do you need a shovel? The Torah says, have a shovel. In addition to your weapons and your tools, you need a shovel. And that was to bury the solid waste. We don't leave waste out in the holy camp. So what's the shovel for? To bury the waste. What was the result from the divayim shatari. Because they would buy things from peddlers in the desert. And those things would produce solid waste when they were eaten. Uh, so by by uh, buying other things Ariela Zar Ben Parta Amar after varim vim shitaga umata ola mahin lahen man mafigan the man would help them dissolve so there wouldn't be any waste even from those elamani mkayin viyata de la holas nechas why need a shovel after they complained about the man and they went bad now amar kaders burgo and they marti you you were going to be like angels and not have any solid waste. Now you have to shlep three parsaots because someone's in the front of the camp, they have to go all the way to the back of the camp to dig a hole and leave their solid waste there and bury it. I saw this place where the Jews camped in the Midbar. It's three parsa across. and so someone at one end of the camp, the front end, they to go all the way through parsa to the back of the camp to leave himself. They wouldn't go in the front or the sides. Because, and we're going to end with this, we never went backwards. When we were in the Midbar, we didn't go backwards. We might go to the side, we might go to the front, we don't know. So we would not leave solid waste in those areas. we never go backwards. We're we're always growing. Every single daf, every single day, we're growing in our wisdom, in our ruchniyot, in our connection to Hashem. We never go backwards. Every daf, we are moving forwards. Thank you.